0: listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! <laughs>
1: yes, we're waking up and we're being healthy and wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth.
0: And we do have a few happenings because... As usual, this is a very happening town. Yes. So.
1: Happening town, happening region, happening world.
0: Is What is today's date? Today is the 16th. <laughs> I was thinking it was like halfway through the month. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm saying that is tomorrow is the anniversary of the Iraq War. Yep. And so there's going to be a big event downtown at the pavilion, the usual from 12 noon to 1 o'clock peace vigil, and then after that, there will be a march from there to the Interface Center.
1: Yes. Then at the Interface Center, they're going to have speakers there, too, once they make it down there.
0: Yep. So, how many years is this now? Uh, well, four years, fourth anniversary yep. of so. the war. All right, other happenings. Yes, happenings. I'm um, um next Monday, March nineteenth at seven p.m. Visit visit the studio of America's greatest naturalist and wildlife artist as storyteller Brian Fox Ellis becomes John Adam J- John James Audubon in his first person living history program. Sponsored by the Shawnee Audubon Society, the program, sure to entertain all ages, will be held at 7 p.m. Monday, March 19th at the Carbondale Township Hall, which is at 217 East Main Street in Carbondale. The Carbondale Township Hall is actually located right across the road from the Bank of Carbondale. For more information, you can call Karen at 618 457 Three six three six seven, or just go to the Shawnee Audubon website, which is shawneeaudubon
1: Yes, hopefully easy to remember. And in other happenings, we actually have on March twentieth at uh, precisely seven oh seven p.m. Central Time, it's going to be the spring equinox. <laughs> the the Earth is going through, you know, in its orbit around the Sun right now, and the Sun's going to appear right over the equator right around then. So, springtime is officially coming
0: up next week. <laughs> and it's almost spring today.
1: Yes, it, it feels very spring like today. It's very good. Uh, let's see, we have another happenings the Energy Film Fest free, thought provoking films and discussions. The Shawnee Group Sierra Club is presenting their first Energy Film Fest. These films are both stimulating and informative. Discussion on global warming and home energy saving measures will follow each film, and ex- experts on renewable energy sources will also be there to answer your questions. You can come and learn how to save energy, money, and the environment all at once.
0: Oh, uh, that's a big...
1: Yes, saving, saving all the green, you know, the eco-green and the money-green. <laughs> For more info, you can call Barb McCasson at 529 4824 uh, let's see. Some of the events are on uh, on Thursday, March 22nd at 7:15 p.m. at the Unitarian Church. There's a film called Kilowatt R's, like O U R S. <laughs> I've heard about this. I've wanted to see it.
0: Yeah, it's a very, very good film. I mean, it it basically shows you know where your power comes from, from you know, mountaintop removal f- to find coal. All the way to solar panels and wind generator. I mean, it's a, a film to make you think about where your energy comes from and just understand the process of, you know, when you turn a light bulb on, where that energy comes from.
1: Yeah, when you flip on your computer to uh, download those emails.
0: <laughs> so that's the first of the Energy Film Fest will be next Thursday, and then I'll announce the rest of them next Friday yes it's pretty much the whole week after that is Saturday Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Friday are films yes so
1: so it's a exciting action-packed stimulating and informative film fest once again you can call Barb McCassin at 529-4824 or tune in next week and we'll have more
0: and this is women's history month and I have a few things that I will announce Monday, March 19th, Women's Safety Class at the SIUC Student Center Ballroom, second floor, 7 to 9 p.m. Tuesday, March 20th, Workshop for Faculty and Teaching Assistants, How to Respond to Students' Disclosures of Violence in Relationship. And this is actually at the, the presenters, the Women's Center. It's at Fainer Hall, room 1006. And also next Tuesday, the 12th Annual Writing Contest, the Reading of Winning Essays. It's at the Faculty Club, which is at 1000 South Elizabeth. Next Wednesday, the 2nd Annual Graduate Feminist Scholars Panel. This is at the Student Center, Mississippi Room, 2nd floor, 1 to 3.30 p.m. next Wednesday, March 22nd. And then Thursday, March 22nd, Wednesday, March 21st. Oops. Mm. Next Thursday, March 22nd, Dialoguing Dissertations, an event for female scholars. Join them for an evening of lively discussion, networking, and resource sharing. This is at the SAU Student Center Old Main Restaurant, second floor from 6 to 9 p.m. next Thursday, March 22nd. And... I was going to say more information. There's tons of stuff that's happening this month for Women's History Month. So, Yes. Any other happenings? If you know of any happenings, please forward it to the happening guy.
1: <laughs> yes. You can <laughs> forward them to me. My email address is treesong at treesong.org.
0: And we like to know what's happening. If we don't know, you don't know. Yes. you are listening to your community spirit the show about caring sharing and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it now the news he believes in miracles former jamaican bob sled team founder seeks energy independence as mayor It's a career crisis we've all faced at some point. What comes after you've created the Jamaican Olympic bobsled team? For George Finch, now the mayor of Warrington, Virginia, the answer stinks. Finch wants to make the 8,000-person town energy independent by 2010 by building a $30 million biomass plant at the local dump. Are you in love like we're in love? You don't have to be a big fan of Al Gore to realize that this is critical to our community and our national security, says the Republican mayor, whose optimism and physical sensibility seem to be winning over residents of the farming community 50 miles west of D.C. But let's get one thing straight. They are not environmentalists. Quote, My idea of an environmentalist is someone who wears Birkenstocks and carries a knapsack and has too long hair and spends his free time working for the Sierra Club, says Town counselor John Sparky Lewis. Mm. But I have a great respect for the land, and I think we could all be better stewards of it. That'll do, Sparky. That'll (laughs) do. Straight to the source, The Washington Post, the 12th of March, 2007.
1: So I respect the land, but I'm not an environmentalist. Interesting perspective. So anyway, in other news, I think I can't, I think I can't, I think I can't, I think I can't. Automakers tell Congress why fuel economy improvements won't work. Uh I guess they're being pessimistic. Congress hosted a few more cranky white men yesterday as the CEOs of Chrysler, Ford, GM, and Toyota's North American division appeared before a House subcommittee to explain why they couldn't possibly raise fuel economy standards. Joined by the head of the United Auto Workers, the Churlish chiefs pointed to the high costs of meeting a 4% year raise proposed by President Bush, saying that it posed a threat to jobs and retirees' health care. They also said that using ethanol and regulating tailpipe emissions would be a better way to wean the U.S. off of foreign oil. Congress spoke. When they weren't stroking these engines of the economy, a Mississippi rep called Toyotas had a, quote, Tupelo honey for building a plant in his state, and Representative John Dingell referred to the fellas as his dear friends. When they weren't engaged in all of this, they laid into the companies for making excuses and resisting change. Wined Ford CEO Alan Mullaly at one point, quote, We need our government to be partners, not adversaries. Or maybe you need to grow up. Straight to the source, the Detroit Free Press, the Washington Post, 14th of March, 2007. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have a story about this today, but that makes me think up to the electrics, you know.
0: <laughs> Get me rewrite. Part 2 of the Intergovernmental Climate Report, no sunnier than Part 1. No day, or... none of our shows, would be complete without a dash of grim global warming news. Yes. So here goes. Part 2 of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report is due out in April, and according to a draft, things are looking quite the opposite of good. The report, the second of four scheduled to be released by the IPCC this year, focuses on the effects of climate change. Among other bleak things, it says effects are already being felt, as opposed to the 2001 report, which said chaos was still on its way. Hmm. It also says unless the world takes action on emissions, and hey, maybe even if it does, we face massive water and food shortages, increased death rates for the world's poor, flooding, fire, and species extinction. Coming to a decade near you in as little as... Two decades. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, This is the story, this is the whole place, said Canadian climate scientist Andrew Weaver. This is how it affects me, you, and the person next door. The report of weights government review... But no major changes are expected. This report is put out by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Straight to the source, the New York Times Associated Press, the twelfth of march, the age, the Associated Press, the eleventh of march two thousand seven.
1: Oh that's okay. I didn't need food or water anyway. <laughs> They're highly overrated. <laughs> so another climate related news, take that, Iowa. New Hampshire towns send climate change message to the feds. The votes are in and the message is clear. New Hampshire is peeved about global warming. Nearly 90 towns approved a non-binding resolution at their annual meetings this week telling the feds to act on climate change and her that presidential candidates should make it a priority in their campaigns. About 90 more will debate the resolution which also endorses the idea of a national sustainable energy research initiative, at the upcoming meetings in this coming spring. Given its traditional, first-in-the-nation primary status, the tiny state's fist-shaking is nothing to sneeze at. Quote, There's no doubt that urgent action is needed to curb the pollution that's causing our climate to change, said New Hampshire's Sierra Club chair Jerry Curran. Quote, And New Hampshire citizens are showing America the way just as we did in the fight against acid rain a generation ago. Of course, they also, quote, showed America the way by voting for Al Gore and John McCain in the 2000 primaries. Well, we're just saying. (laughs) Straight to the source. Reuters, 14th of March, 2007.
0: Was it the cowlick? U.S. federal judge bans sales and planting of genetically modified alfalfa. A first-of-its-kind ruling in the U.S. will stop Monsanto's genetically modified alfalfa in its tracks. For now, citing the USDA's failure to conduct an environmental impact statement before approving the crop in 2005 and its, quote, cavalier response to concerns that the frankenfalfa, could contaminate nearby fields. U.S. District Judge Charles Brayer banned sales of the seeds and barred planting after March 30th. Monsanto whipped farmers' protests, at saying that already bought seeds for late spring sowing and will lose money. This year was the second that the Roundup Ready crop, engineered to be resistant to Monsanto's potent herbicide, was to be used in the U.S. It already fills 200,000 of the country's 23 million acres of alfalfa. Quote, I hope this is just a bump in the road, said California farmer Philip Bowles. But others, including organic farmers, traditional seed companies, and green groups, hope that the bump becomes a roadblock in April when Breyer will consider making the ban permanent. Straight to the source, Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, Reuters, all the 13th of March, 2007. Ah,
1: alfalfa. (laughs) (laughs) And in other news, but what about Liechtenstein? What Uh, about Liechtenstein? What about Liechtenstein? A survey unearths international climate change attitudes. A majority of South Koreans believe that global warming is a critical threat. Same with the Iranians, and the Mexicans, and the Israelis. But Americans... Not so much, says a recent survey of more than 20,000 people in more than 15 countries. Granted, the U.S. could have been more ignorant. There were a solid 46% of Americans who deemed climate change to be critical, and an additional 39% who labeled it as important. Also encouraging, 43% of U.S. residents favor attacking global warming, even if it involves significant costs, while a mere 17% favor the let's study it some more approach. Chinese views were similar to Americans, and in India, 51% viewed climate change as critical, while only 19% gave the thumbs up to significant costs for mitigation. Australians were the most concerned about global warming risks, and the most climate change lackadaisical country was the Ukraine, where only 33% of respondents said global warming was critical. Now, one Kiev room hotel for Al Gore, please. What? <laughs> Kiev in uh, Ukraine. <laughs> I guess they want to send Al Gore there. Straight to the source. Associated Press,
0: Agence
1: France Press.
0: Agence France Press.
1: <laughs> 14th of March 2007. Yeah, I remember actually. The first place I remember hearing about climate change was from Australia because when I was a little kid, There was this commercial from Australia that was related to CFCs, like uh, how they were trying to ban them at that time, and it was the commercial where this little kid, you see this person in a spacesuit, and they're going out in this barren, sunny environment, and then uh, they walk inside, and it's a little kid who was going out to play, (laughs) because the ozone was gone by that point. (laughs)
0: The weight of the world. Exposure to chemicals could contribute to obesity. Studies find. Maybe that's why you're so skinny. (laughs) You don't eat enough chemicals.
1: Yeah, I need more chemicals in
0: my diet. (laughs) Obesity is largely blamed on calories, too many. Exercise, too little. But recent studies suggest that chemical exposure may also pack on the pounds. And it's tough to diet from so-called obesogens which show up in everything from pesticides to food containers.
1: Opisogens. (laughs)
0: Chemicals found to produce more and larger fat cells in mice include waterproof paint ingredient tributin, which was largely prescribed, um, and then also diethylstilbestrol, They The chemicals, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was largely prescribed to pregnant women from the 1940s to the 1960s and estrogen-like biphenyl A, which showed up in 95% of people tested by one st- recent study. BPA promotes fat cell activity in your... Um, producing life, quote, lifetime effects that occur at phenomenally small levels of exposure, says biological scientist Professor Frederick Vom Sahl. He dismisses the chemical industry's claim that BPA poses no threat risk as a blatant lie. That's in quotes. Blatant lie. (laughs) The production and use of BPA has quadrupled in the last couple of decades in roughly the same timeline, well, that obesity has recently risen. Coincident? Fat chance. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the source, The Washington Post the 12th of March, The Columbia Tribune the 4th of March, and Giornalo the 18th of February
1: 2007. Yeah,
0: Yeah, they went there. Uh,
1: Yeah, well, processed foods in general have a lot of strange chemicals and mutagens and carcinogens, so then having them around us as well is... It's not a good thing.
0: <laughs> well, unless you, when you die, want to be preserved for indefinitely. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, you won't have to pay the uh, embalming costs anymore. No. You just, just eat enough processed food. Like in the
0: week beforehand, <laughs> just eat a lot of, let's see, Twinkies. Yeah, eat
1: a lot of Twinkies, take a bath in some uh the, the paint stuff that they were describing. Uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, in other news, oh, let's have a story about big oil. On a bing and an air... I guess like on a wing and a prayer, but on a Bing and an air. Stanford and UC Berkeley criticized for partnerships with Big Oil. Movie producer Steve Bing has yanked a promised $2.5 million donation to Stanford University in response to several TV and print ads wherein ExxonMobil touts its partnership with the school. Exxon is funding up to $100 million of Stanford's climate and energy research. Oh, let me go over that again. ExxonMobil is funding up to one hundred million dollars of Stanford's climate and energy research. Bing, whose family has given millions to his alma mater, is unimpressed. Quote, ExxonMobil is trying to greenwash itself and it's using Stanford as its brush, says Bing's spokesperson. In light of the Bing thing, <laughs> concerns have risen about academic integrity in a just announced ten year million deal between BP and UC Berkeley, which would create an energy institute focusing on creation of genetically modified crops for biofuels. Asks one associate professor, quote, if we signed the agreement, can anyone seriously imagine that Berkeley would be in a position to undertake significant research to show the problems with the BP strategy? Uh, what problems with the BP strategy? Yeah, as if... Straight to the source, the Mercury News, the Berkeley Daily Planet, uh, oh, ABC, and the Alma Alameda Times Star, all 10th and 11th of March 2007.
0: All right, a little light music.
1: <laughs>
0: because the US and the European Union push for phase out of incandescent bulbs. Uh-huh. UK gets serious about carbon. The world is seeing the energy-efficient light. A U.S. coalition including Philips Lighting and the Natu- Natural Resources Defense Council will push to phase out incandescent bulbs by 2016. Following the lead of Australia and California, European Union's Union leaders have proposed ditching the bulbs even sooner, a plan that could reduce EU carbon emissions up to 25 tons a year. EU President Angela Merkel, who uses energy-efficient bulbs at home, offered her pitch. There, quote, Not quite bright enough, so sometimes when I'm looking for something that's dropped on the carpet, I have a bit of a problem. Uh, well, moving on. Yesterday, the British government proposed first-of-its-kind legislation to reduce the nation's CO2 emissions 60% by 2050 with a series of five-year carbon budgets. While some wish the target were more ambitious... Prime Minister Tony Blair declared the bill, which will become a law by early next year, a revolutionary step that sets an example for the rest of the world. Straight to the source, the New York Times, the 14th of March, the Independent, the Telegraph, the 10th of March, and the Times and MSNBC, both the 13th of March, 2005.
1: Uh, Sounds like someday soon you're going to have to go to the... uh Thomas Edison Museum to see the incandescent bulbs or <laughs> your
0: you know black, local black market guy yeah <laughs> so there's
1: Oh yes we have a uh, a happening a accurately. late
0: breaking happening late
1: breaking happening in the newsroom the composters haul the load. the happy housewife mothering predicament with environmental chases this is a performance by Janet Donahue Wilson and Allison Aurelia Fisher. This is on Monday, March 26th at, from 7 to 8 p.m. in the back room at the Long Branch Coffee House, And that's at 100 East Jackson. Their number is 529-4488. And there's no cover, but donations are welcome and will go to support the Women's Center. Music. Yes. Music to soothe the savage beast. We have some, I was inspired to bring this music in uh, by the fact that Spring Equinox is coming up. It's a song about the green man. And the green man, you know, he's, he's all about foliage and plants and such. So he likes the spring. So sending out some green man music in honor of spring.
0: Get out, get loud, it's sunny.
2: It cuts my eyes open to the wind and rain All around the earth breathes deep I come alive again I am the green man of the woods The wounded and the broken land I am the fire in the red stag's eye The touch of a lover's hand lover's hand Oh let me speak lend me your tongue to sing the trees and streams Sing the dark blood of the hills the moon on goose's wings I am the green man of the woods the wounded and the broken land I am the fire in the red stag's eye, the touch of a lover's hand, of a lover's hand. Oh, if you meet me in the fields, don't you be alarmed. I come to bring you joy, I'll do you no harm. Let us dance beneath the stars, the pale moon in our eyes, and celebrate the mysterious that keeps us all alive, keeps us all alive. From exile deep, back where we belong I am the green man of the woods The thistle and the corn The spark in every creature's heart The dancer in the storm I am the green man of the The whistle and the corn The spark in every creature's heart The dancer in the storm The dancer in the storm